0: This is probably a, a story that you've heard many times. If you've been around the church, you've probably heard this particular passage read. So I'm going to encourage you to really listen and to, and to think about any questions you have about this text and to think about any insights, any things that you notice any things that sort of pop out to you, because we're going to do a little interaction here right away after I read. We're going to have a little back and forth, all right? So just be ready to use, use your brain. If you're not awake yet, there's coffee, so um, you can get that. All right, listen, listen to this uh, from Luke 17, starts with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, We're not ten made queen? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Here ends the reading. So I'd love to hear any insights, any questions, anything that popped up as you were, you were listening to that. Is there any significance to ten, 10 men? Any significance to ten? Not really. I mean, as I as I dug in the text, good question because there's oftentimes numbers mean stuff in the Bible. Definitely, you know, seven and you know people believe seven was a perfect number, all that sort of thing. And so, yeah. So, but but not necessarily. Um, the other day, I was trying to make this the one percent, not the ten percent, but that was a whole other sort of thing. Um, there was a distinction between the one who, who's whose faith was well and yet all ten in the field. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it that? That um, that Jesus says, you know, get up and go. Your faith has made you well. But yet, all of them were healed. All of them were healed, and and in a sense, they were all healed before any of them made any kind of profession of faith, other than saying Jesus, Master. But it could have just been Master, as in you're you're a higher ranking per, higher ranking person than we are. I don't know that there's any significance in the in the Master sort of word. They're not really saying oh. Your are God. We're praising you or whatever. So, yeah, it's, it is interesting. Some people, um, you know, some of the commentators caution in this text that, that you can read it. You can, you, can, you can read it in one way to say, he says, your faith has made you well. And for someone who's been praying to get well, for someone who's, who has an, a, a, a malady or something going on in their life, um, you know, you could, you, could, you could manipulate this text to say, well, if you aren't getting well, then you just don't have enough faith. But that's not in here. <laughs> that's I don't I don't think that that's at all what Jesus is, is saying here. You know that somehow because the the other nine wouldn't have been healed if it was all about having enough faith to to be made well. Um, other insights or questions? I don't know why the ten just went off and didn't argue. Why aren't you doing something for me? The priest doesn't want to see me. I'm not allowed to see him. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go see the priest, yeah. Yeah, because at that point, you're right, he ha- I mean, they don't know if they've been healed or not. Now, does anybody know about the whole thing about going to the priest? About what, that, what that's about? Yeah, seminary students. Tell us, tell us, Nate, what, what is that about? It was so uh, lepers are unclean they're required which is actually it's kind of interesting so in the old testament they're required to have the priest actually come out to them to check and make sure that they've been healed before they can be made clean again so them going to the priests is kind of not 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 kosher right Right, because normally they, right, cause they've been ostracized for so long. I mean, again, like I said, if you're listening to children's message, um, at, at this time in history, these skin diseases and, and leprosy, or, or the word that's, that's used here is basically a skin disease. Most of the time we think it's leprosy. Um, people really believe that it was highly contagious. If you got in contact with somebody, you were going to get it. We know now that's not so much the case, but that back then they just thought, I mean, you know, if you look at somebody that's got something going on with their skin, it, it, you, like all of a sudden, your senses are all aware. So, um, right. So they. So they would. They were unclean. So if they were Jewish, they couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't be. In a sense, they were. They were not. They were not seen as part of the covenant community anymore because they were unclean. Because in in some ways, in the Old Testament, you know, if, if you had a malady, if you if there was something going on with you, that it, it might have meant that your father sinned. And that it was being worked out on you. And so they didn't want you in the temple because you were unclean. There were lots of people who couldn't, who couldn't go into the temple, and so lepers were that. But if they were somehow healed, you know, somehow somehow they were supposed to get word to the priest, priest was supposed to come to them, and there were some, some rituals they had to go through, some washings and some things that would make them clean so they could rejoin society and, re, and come back in the temple. Other things? Jason, I think you were going to... Just... So the fact that they listened to him, they also knew who Jesus was. Mm. So at that point, I guess. Yeah. Right, they knew who Jesus was, and, and, and apparently they must have been hearing about that he'd been able to do some healings because they're asking for they're asking for it, right? What else? Yeah. Uh, the one who came back. Was Samaritan. <laughs> the one who came back with Samaritan, very good. Right now, so so. Um, so here, let me give you a little geography. So you have Galilee in Israel now, today, and even then. You have Galilee, and you have Samaria, and then you have Jerusalem. Okay? Why the greats not the rabbis? Well, because at this time there were rabbis, but the rabbinical Judaism really comes in after the second, the second temple is destroyed in 70. So there are teachers, there are rabbis like Jesus. Jesus is seen as a rabbi, as a teacher. But rabbinical Judaism isn't... The, the height of everything is to, go to the, is to go to the priests at the temple in Jerusalem. They're the ones who, who control things, basically. It's still a very much a priestly religion centered on the temple, which, which at this time would have been the second temple. The first one was destroyed. This is the second one that was built in Jerusalem. So good, good question. Right. Yes. So would the Samaritans have even been allowed to go to see the priests? Well, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, What we, what I don't know is I don't know if, did they have their own priests? So let's talk about Samaritans for a minute. So Samaritans, Samaritans are those Jewish people who were left in Samaria after the rest of the, after the rest of the Jewish people were, were exiled by the Babylonians. They, they were left there, and then the Assyrians came in and basically got rid of everybody else, and so there's, there's this very few number of people who were left in Samaria. They were called Samaritans. They still exist today. It's a very small, small group of them. They still adhere to the Torah, to the first five books of the Bible, maybe even more strictly than what conservative, orthodox... Radical, whatever you want to call it, Judaism does today. They still practice, as far as we know, animal sacrifice, because that's, that's in the first five books of the Bible. Um, when, when, when I was in, um, when I was in, um, in Israel, you know, we stood, and now the name escapes me, um, we stood at Shechem, which is right near Mount Gerizim and the other mountain, and Mount Gerizim is where the Samaritans still worship to this day. But so they, but, but so what's interesting is, is that then when the Jewish people came back from exile, they ostracized the ones who had stayed. So it's in some ways like um, the Hatfields and McCoys, like this is an inter-family feud. They're, they're cousins for all intents and purposes. I mean, they're, they're all, they all are descended from the same people. They're all children of Abraham. Um, but yet they they despised each other, um, and and just and, and would not be seen with each other. Samaritans were seen as unclean. They worshipped they they you know they believe God should be worshipped on this mountain. The Jews believe that God should be worshipped in the temple. You know, just all, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, denominationalism is not anything new <laughs> in the world. People breaking up over over things. So that does that help with Samaritans about who they are? What else? Um, in the, we read the story of the devotion I was doing this week, D365, and they pointed out that the lepers didn't actually ask to be healed, they just asked for mercy. Mmm, very good. I missed that. <laughs> look, look at that. Yes, have mercy on us. Very good. Yeah, so what does mercy mean? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's a great question, isn't it, for us today, like, like having mercy on someone, you know what? What? What does that mean? If we're called to be people who are merciful, what? What does that mean for us? Yeah, Nate. I'm, I'm really curious about the return part. About the return part, because returning being such a significant uh, indicator of repentance as well. That, that no one returned and gave praise to God except for this foreigner. Right. So no. Right. No one returned and gave praise to God except for this foreigner. Right. And the word there, you're thinking because you're a good biblical scholar. You you may maybe you already looked it up, but um, the word oftentimes the word in the Bible, Greek word that's used for turn around is metanoia, and that and then we really when we really equate that with repentance. Like confession and repentance, like like it's 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 literally to turn one eighty uh, in the in in the story of the prodigal son. You know, it's basically like when he came to himself, he, he turned around. Um, there are all kinds of places where people turned around and, and went the other way, and 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 that's basically. repentance. But it's a different word here, and I forget what it is. But I, I think it's still very significant that he turned back. That he turned back because because he turned back and 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 praised God. If you think about if you think about the shepherds, when Jesus is born, they go to see him, and then they return or they turn back, praising God. That they have this experience and they don't stay there. They don't just stay there with Jesus, which might have been a natural thing to do. But they turn back and they return back to what they were doing, back to what they what they've been. But they're different and they're praising God. And so now he comes. You know, he turns around. He comes back. Praising Jesus, and what does Jesus do? That's my question for you. What does Jesus do then? I mean, one, he questions, blah 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 blah. But then, what does he? What does he say to him? Right. But but he's but but what does he say to him? That's my question. But first, what does he say before that? We get focused on your faith has made you well. What does he say before that? Go, get up, and go on your way. Get up and go. He's. I mean, because in a sense, in a sense, I think he's saying yes. Giving thanks, giving praise to God is is absolutely essential, and that 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 then sends us out. That then sends us out the door. That when we when we begin to live lives of thankfulness and gratitude in the midst of all things, it. It gives us the ability, and especially when we give the thanks and praise um, to the right person, um, we've we'll talked about that in a minute. It sends us out. It it gives us the courage and the energy to actually go out in the midst of things that could be troubling to us. Go out and go on your way. When we live lives of thankfulness and praise, then we're sent on our way. Something. Were you gonna? Did you have a question? Well, we were just sitting here. We all have different versions. Okay. Right. So um, Lolita's version is, your faith has made you whole. Mine is, your faith has saved you. The NIV was, your faith has made you well. But I think it's interesting that the Samaritan's faith is elevated above that of the Jews. And so they're healed, but he's saved. He's made whole. Right, and the, the and the word there, the the word there really can be translated all of those things, and, but it really has to do with a wholeness. You've been made whole. You've been made complete, um, and so I don't know um, that that where, where I where I have the difficulty is 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 when Jesus says your faith has made you whole. So what is it about? What is it about? What he has done here that has that has made that didn't just heal him but made him complete. He will no longer see that again. Right. Right. If it's, it's one thing to be healed, then it's another thing to be whole. Mmm. Like it. When you heal, you can be healed at a, at a certain season, time. but when you're made whole, you'll never see that again. Okay, so, so I don't know if you heard that. So, so what Alita's saying is, you know, you can be healed and not made whole. Right? You can be healed and not made whole. Like, like, you know, um, there are many wonderful things that can happen to us. And, and, and we can just go, oh, well, this is supposed to happen. I'm just moving on. Oh, that's good. Check the box. Awesome. Rolling on. But something different happens. And I'll tell you this from my own life. When, when, when you become someone who begins to recognize, when you, become, when you begin to come to recognize the things for, for which to be grateful and to be thankful. Something changes in you. You be able, you be a, you're able, you be able. <laughs> Very well scripted sermon here today. Um, I got to get my Grammarly app up and start going through. Um, you be illing enough. What's that? It was a you be enough. Yeah, you be illing, yeah. So you're, you're able, you're able to find, you're able to begin to identify things in your life to be thankful for even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of trouble. It's an interesting thing. They've done a lot of studies on, on practices of thankfulness and gratitude recently. I don't know if you know about this, but when you're, when you're someone who is focused on gratitude and thankfulness, it's, it's very difficult to have fear. It's very difficult to be angry it's very difficult to, to, to have all these other conflictual things going on when, you're, when you begin to focus on the things that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for. And they've, and, and they've shown, you know, if, you, if for 21 days you write down three things that you're grateful for, you begin to notice more things that you're grateful for throughout the day. And we're, just, and we're talking about things especially that are not in your control. The sun came out today. You know? My heart is still beating within me, which you you have almost nothing to do with. It's just going. Your lungs, you know, are exchanging air. I mean, those kinds of things. And then, of course, for the other things that we're grateful for. You know, like this morning I, I do this every morning. Um, and this morning I I I, would, I just wrote for a dry and safe place to sleep. Because I was thinking about all of those who right now have no place to sleep because, I mean, because of this hurricane. We have 800 dead in Haiti, or 900 maybe dead in, in Haiti. Many, many, many displaced. Haiti was just barely starting to maybe get its act back together. What a, I mean, just devastation. And so, you know, um, but to be, to be grateful for that so as not to take it for granted, but also then it allows me to praise God, but then it also can help send me out you know, to go on my way differently. And so that's... What else? What else do you see here? Yes. Back to the mercy. I think that's a reminder where they're saying, like, just give us mercy and not heal. Like they're just... They didn't ask for a specific thing. They're like, it's up to you what you want to give us. Mm. Sort of like, so reminding like if you're praying for one specific thing that might not be what you really need and only God knows what you really need so instead of asking for the one thing you ask how can you or like some form of a question you know like give me mercy that not maybe they didn't necessarily want to be built, maybe they were just thinking it would be nice to be accepted or it would be nice to be able to go into the village like but whatever you think is the right thing to do give us that not one specific thing mm. you don't Think you need might not be what God needs. Okay. Okay. So, so, the, so they asked for mercy. They didn't say just heal us. They said ask for mercy. So, so, maybe just in saying we're going to trust you to know what we need. And so maybe a message for us is is that sometimes when we pray for specific things, we might have no clue what that's going to do to us. <laughs> be careful what you pray for. Right? Is that? I mean, you know, I mean. But I, I do think also, I do think there, there's a place and a time to 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 ask God specifically for for what you think you need. Because oftentimes, for me anyway, I mean, I, I, I'm both and here, um, because, because oftentimes when I've prayed for what I thought specifically I needed, that opened me up to be able to, to consider that in a different way. Is this really what I need? Is this what God thinks I really need? I mean, all, all those sorts of things. I mean, again, we've, we've, we've often seen those stories. Like Somebody gets exactly what they think they need, and it's like the worst thing ever for them. It's just, it just—it just—it happens. It happens. What else? What else do you? Yeah. Uh, maybe on a larger scale, obviously, Jesus does other miracles and heals some other stories and stuff like that. Maybe his approach to healing is not. Hello. Oh, we have a little crossover from downstairs? (laughs) I was like, hmm, did I? Is my phone on? (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Uh, Woo. Yeah, Uh, go ahead. (laughs) Give me back where we were, because I'm all gone now. maybe Jesus' approach of healing people is not necessarily to truly heal them but to make them whole on a global global scale and so he's trying to awaken people to then increase their faith and the Samaritan was the one that was able to figure that out and so Mm. to bring more people in and to to, so so maybe there's a difference between Healing in, in just in the strictly physical sense and wholeness in terms of b- being complete. And so, I mean, you can't just like you know, flip a switch. You've got to lead him to it. And so, this was his approach of trying to lead him, lead them to be whole. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we all we all know people who who may you know maybe they're maybe they're struggling with some illness that's terminal, and. And their spirit is just phenomenal. Like you wouldn't, again, you wouldn't know they were sick because they because of how they're living, because of how they're living their life. And then there are people who have nothing wrong with them, and and you know, and, and they get upset when there's not enough ketchup on their McDouble. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. And for me you can, you can be whole and not be healed. That's interesting. I, I, that's, I need to ponder that some. Um, I think that, I think that's really good. And I love that, I love that he comes, he comes right back and he, to praise him. He throws himself on the ground, that there, that there's something about this that that, that grabs him in such a way that he wants to give praise to God for this. And the others, we don't know what they do. We don't know if they just go to the priest. We don't know what that, what that looks like. But, but for whatever reason, in him it, causes him, it causes him to praise God. C.S. Lewis said something really interesting. He said, Praise, praise seems to be an in inner health made audible. Praise seems to be inner health made audible. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I know about me. When, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm unsettled and when I when I'm when I'm not, you know, when things aren't right, when I'm not feeling whole, it's difficult to praise. It's difficult to give thanks. It's difficult to open myself up that way. Um, uh, Anne Lamott has this has this very famous quote that she says, you know, her, her two favorite prayers are in the morning. Help me, help me, help me. And at night, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like the, the, those, two, those two things. Uh, Meister Eckhart said something uh, to the fact of, um, if, if all your prayers ever consist of is thanks, it would be enough. All your prayers consist of is thanks, it would be enough. I think that there's, there's a real natural tendency in us because this, is, because this is what our brains and our bodies are trained to do. I mean, we're taught this also from an early age. One of these things is not like the other. You know, we're always comparing, we're always, we're always contrasting, we're always, we're always trying to, you know, saying, oh, well, I'm not here, I'm not there. And, and that can lead to, a, lead to a real unthankfulness, I think. And again, not that we shouldn't strive. Absolutely. I think God, God gave us a mind. God gave, God gave us our unsettledness sometimes to push us into things so that we can do greater things for God. But there's also a, a, a huge place, especially for Christians, to be thankful, to be grateful, and to show that forth to the world and it's not easy. I mean, I, I, like, like I said, I, mean, I, I, do this, I do this discipline every morning and, and definitely there are mornings when I sit there. What am I thankful for today? I'm not feeling very thankful. I'm feeling very grateful. But what are those things and what can I see? And, and again, when you begin to do that, you begin to see more things. And you begin to see ways of lifting that up for other people. And you begin to... And, you, and, and then, and then um, what happens is the focus in some way comes off of us and off of other people. And then the focus can come onto God, who we believe as Christians has given us all things and is in, with, and through all things. Even, though, even the most difficult things... That we can be thankful, we can be grateful, even in the midst of difficult things, there are places where God is and where God is showing us ways and places to be grateful. Another writer uh, wrote this, the Samaritan demonstrates a faith that lays hold on God, that cannot and will not remain silent in response to what God has done in his life. That publicly, spontaneously, and joyfully lives in thanksgiving to God. I'm going to read that again. The Samaritan demonstrates a faith that lays hold on God, that cannot and will not remain silent in response to what God has done in his life, that publicly, spontaneously, and joyfully directs thanksgiving to God. What a beautiful phrase. What we believe is that we have all been healed in Jesus. In his life, in his death, in his resurrection, we have been given a new life. Everything in us that would be apathetic about God, that would push God away, that would, that would, that would keep us from, building, from being reconciled to others and even to ourselves, has been made right and set right in Jesus. And that we live now in this interesting time of of, of this wholeness, of this healing, and yet we see that things are not complete. And so we wait for the return of Christ to make all things new, to heal all things and to make all things whole. But we are the first fruits, following in Jesus' footsteps, of the new creation. We are those who have been set free, who have been healed, who have been made whole. And so we are called to return to God in thanksgiving and then to go out because we have been made well. May you, in Jesus' name, live a life that gives thanks. May you know that healing and wholeness in whatever you're dealing with in your life. And may you bring that to others. Amen.